As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Presenting sponsor for today's episode of Civilized Barking is Visa, a network working for everyone. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson here. Uh, We are about 72 hours from kickoff. Browns going to Minnesota, uh, their first trip to the new stadium there. Kevin Stefanski said he's prepared the guys for it to be the loudest stadium they'll play in all year. He said because a lot of it is glass, it keeps the noise in. Uh, Vikings fans are pumped. They won their home opener last week. They're one and two. Um, they lost in the road in overtime in week one. They went across the country to Arizona in week two and lost by, I believe, one point. And they came back last week down 10 in the second quarter, went on to pull away and beat the Seahawks to get on the scoreboard. Um, if you're listening to this, you know the story. Kevin Stefanski worked his entire career in Minnesota before he came to Cleveland last year. He worked for multiple coaches, the last of which being Mike Zimmer. Um, they're pretty different personality-wise. Um, in their presentation. They're both good football coaches, obviously really good football coaches in their own right. Zimmer, the defensive guy, he had made Stefanski uh, his offensive guy. Um, I was around Zimmer for a few years when I covered the Bengals uh, in the AFC North, and and he could um, really use the F-bomb. And I asked Stefanski on Wednesday if uh, he learned any words from Zimmer, and he said yes, one in particular. But um, you know, Stefanski handed the keys to Clint Kubiak, They're the new offensive coordinator, son of Gary Kubiak there. Um, they're running a similar offense. Obviously, Stefanski coached Kirk Cousins, coached a lot of those guys on that offense, not all of them. Um, Justin Jefferson, the, the gifted young receiver, obviously um, makes them different. And we'll see. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think as much as Stefanski downplays it like he does everything and doesn't want anything about him, I think it does mean something to him, and this is a big game. I mean, look, we all thought the Browns would be two and one, right? Regardless of how you lament the Kansas City game, um, we all thought they'd be two and one, and now you got two road games against two teams we knew would be okay. Um, the Chargers appear to be really good, and so realistically, if you get one of the next two, you're fine. Um, 
You don't want to lose the first one and have to go win in L.A. I know that. Um, you'd like to win them all, sure. And the Browns are good enough to do that. And, you know, I don't know how much margin for error. No, nobody knows how much margin for error is going to be in trying to, w- to win the division title. But um, it's important that the Browns get one of these next two games. And it's important. You know, they're only 12 quarters into the season. So it's important that they play well, that the defense follows up. It's um, incredible performance, but what was probably an outlier, you know, with continued growth. And it's important that the offense – um, it's probably going to be put in some stressful situations, and it's probably going to have to put up 28 or 30 to win this game. So we will see how that goes. Um, of course, Stefanski's homecoming story is the second one of this week because Tom Brady on Sunday night is going back to New England. And, you know, frankly, if you're rolling your eyes saying that doesn't interest me much, I'm with you. I just wanted to throw this out on the podcast while we're talking about it. Remember when the Patriots drafted Sony Michelle? And then four picks later, the Browns got Nick Chubb. What if that had been reversed? Maybe that keeps Tom Brady in Tampa. And I know in Cleveland we don't want to think about it. You don't have to think about it. Um, it's, the two, it's the class of 2018, the draft in Jarvis Landry, that helped the culture change and spurred the Browns along to where they are now and gives them thoughts that they can get where they ultimately want to go. And Nick Chubb is awesome and is made better by the fact that they added Kareem Hunt for nothing and all that. But it's just curious. I mean, we know that at the end – Brady had no weapons, right? He just didn't. And Sonny Michelle is an okay NFL player who now has been traded to the Rams where he's the number two running back on an offense that doesn't run the ball at all. What if they'd have had Nick Chubb and the way they want to play, Belichick wants to play that conservative power style. So, you know, further down the road you could say, well, what if they'd have gone and got him Odell Beckham? The Browns did that. Um, He's back, I think. I think he came back in impressive fashion. I think he left you thinking that that he can really help this offense going on. But just just for podcast purposes, I just wanted to throw that out. It's an interesting thought. Um, and if you're a Browns fan listening, and I assume most of you listening are Browns fans, just saying it's comforting to know um, that you finally have good players. That it's your your team that made the good decisions um, that have, that affected others negatively elsewhere. Right, and that regardless of what happens. Um, you have a coach now that's going to show up every single week with his team prepared, um, believing that, that he has a game plan and a counterattack to give him the best chance to win. And he's going to keep the focus on on now. So he's not going to have guys looking ahead to this, you know, this wild and important stretch. I mean, Denver's the fourth of the next four, and they're undefeated. Right? Um, you know, the, the Browns are going to be focused on Sunday just about every Sunday. That's obviously a change from the past. The Browns go into any stadium thinking they can win. That's a huge change from the past. Um, enough of me. Minnesota, my colleague in Minnesota, his name is Harif, Arif Hassan. Um, smart guy. Knows a lot about the Vikings. A lot about the league, specifically from an analytical perspective. And as we talk, I'm sure you'll hear a lot of the advanced stats and the things he talks about. Um, but, you know, he's he's watched this Vikings for a long time under Stefanski and now under Kubiak. You know, Kirk Cousins is playing really, really well. And so let's kick it out there uh, to him and talk more about Sunday's Browns-Vikings game. Okay. Um, as I said, we go to Minnesota now. He is my colleague, Arif Hassan, covered the Vikings. Um, knows a lot about the team, a lot about the league. Anxious, uh, Arif, I look at this game. Um, obviously, there's the Stefanski thing, right? And, and um, 
you know, 72 hours out, some uncertainty about Dalvin Cook. We'll get a little bit into that. But in general, I mean, I think this is a good game. I think somebody's going to need to score 28 or more to win it, right? I, I think it's two teams that, um, you know, realistically have playoff expectations. And, you know, the Vikings are really close to, to having a better record than they have. The Browns are really close to having a better record than they have. I guess in general, I mean, you look at the board and this is one uh, that jumps out. Yeah, no, for sure. I think you're right that these are two kind of offense forward teams that they're going to need to score points to win. I think that, you know, that's probably not like Zimmer's ideal version of a team, but it's who he has. Uh, and, uh, you know, finding ways to to out scheme Kevin's fancy, that's going to be kind of just a fun storyline as the week kind of progresses. And then, of course, you know, after the game, we'll have a ton of fun with that, too. Um, but yeah, no, these are both playoff quality teams. What's interesting is that the Vikings have a positive point differential. In fact, they're the only team in the division right now with a positive point differential, <laughs> right. um, despite being one and two. So it, it's very clear that, you know, they're one or two plays away from being, you know, three and oh, which is not to say, you know, they're as good as undefeated teams. I mean, the reasons that those games were close uh, is because they were uh, they were just as good as the other team they were playing. But, um, you know, they're a team that that certainly is dangerous. Right. Um, I did watch the Seattle game. I watched much of the Cincinnati game. So, I mean, I see Justin Jefferson looking really good, which is not a surprise. Um, I see Tyler Conklin. You know, I know they had a, um, a lot of drama and a lot of shuffling. They had to do a tight end. But, man, they threw him the ball a lot. And the Browns haven't covered a tight end since 1964. So I think that's a guy <laughs> that's going to factor in Sunday. Am I right on that? Yeah, no, for sure. I think um... – I think the Vikings actually are a little bit pleasantly surprised with what they got from Conklin. They expected a big role from him. I mean, they're supposed to be a two tight end offense uh, and they still are largely, uh, but you know, they had to shift things around with the Irv Smith injury. Um, but you know, they, they did expect a lot from Conklin. I think they still got more from him than they expected, especially as a blocker. Um, you know, kind of one of the advantages of having a two tight end offense is that, you know, once you're, you know, at the line of scrimmage, you can change your play to a run play or to a pass play based off of what you're seeing. And those tight ends will be able to execute um, that that element of the game. And if you've got like a tight end that can only receive or a tight end that can only block, that advantage kind of disappears a little bit. Conklin has improved really substantially as a blocker that allows them to have that kind of flexibility. But of course, you know, the thing that's that's exciting about him and the thing that was kind of exciting about him at the end of last year is his ability to catch the ball. You know, he had uh, a touchdown in this game. He almost had another touchdown on a really interesting, you know, uh, pick play against uh, against Seattle. Uh, and and they're really comfortable using him out wide. I mean, he was I mean, he got a 17 yard uh, catch that was almost uh, 18 yards and a touchdown when he was aligned all the way out wide, which allows the Vikings to kind of see, you know, hey, if there's a linebacker over him, it's man coverage. All of these small advantages that build up from having a tight end that you're willing to kind of use all over the field. Right. Um, I want to back up a little bit because, you know, these are two teams that, that don't see each other very often. Um, and the last time they played was in London and it was in completely different circumstances <laughs> as the Browns were, were spiraling, you know, through three games. Um, what have you seen from the Vikings that surprised you? Right. And what has been what what people or, or you in particular kind of thought all along? Yeah, I think uh, I think Everson Griffin is going to be the only player that was in both of those games, uh, which is kind of wild. Um yeah, no, from what I've seen from the Vikings, I mean, a couple of things have changed based, uh, you know, over last year. I mean, they used to be very play action heavy, deep throw kind of team, kind of like what the Browns are now, which is not shocking. The same offensive coordinator in the same system. But uh, right now, they're a team that's very content to get rid of the ball very quickly. They don't do play action as often. That could change at any moment the season because they're very comfortable doing that. 
Um, and they haven't been throwing a lot of deep shots. Some of that's just the way defenses have aligned against them. Some of that's just based off of, you know, what their offensive philosophy seems to be right now. Um, and, and I think that there's kind of, I mean, the offense is performing very well and there's this ceiling that they haven't really unlocked yet that they've got the ability to get into with a lot of those deep passes, play action throws. And the fact that a player like Justin Jefferson, who's playing very well, also has a very high drop rate for, for a player of his caliber uh, that we didn't see last year, that we didn't see uh, in his final year at LSU, um, that if he catches a couple more passes a game, I mean, that's that's going to be yeah. hugely significant to what the Vikings can do. But yeah, I mean, the offense is really kind of, uh, from a skill perspective, what you'd expect, except, you know, KJ Osborne is performing a lot better as a tight end three. We mentioned Tyler Conklin. Um, just this offense is kind of right now, the lifeblood of the team, they're doing a lot, I think, uh, different than they did last year. That's going to make them, you know, really intriguing to follow, you know, defensively, they're not completely there yet. I don't know if they'll ever be there this year, but um, they've found ways to make adjustments to contain some explosive offenses like the Seahawks that we saw last week. Um, You know, I think Dalvin is worth every penny. So why were they able to still hum without him in there last week? Uh, the improvement in the offensive line, I think, has a has a huge, uh, you know, role to play in, in how they're doing. Uh, they've had to cycle through a bunch of offensive linemen over the years. This year, you know, they don't have the same left tackle, left guard or right guard uh, that they had last year. They've only kept the center of the right tackle uh, and uh, that left tackle that was going to change regardless. It's not who they plan to have in there. But, you know, they're giving Rashad Hill left tackle a lot of help while Christian Derrissaw gets healthy. He was fully healthy on. Uh, this week's injury report, I wouldn't expect him to play, but um, they've been able to use, you know, players like Ezra Cleveland, players like Ole Udo to open up a lot of holes in the running game. Uh, you know, they're still a wide zone team, just like the Browns, but they're innovating within that kind of concept by having, uh, you know, split zones where you've got, you know, a tight end moving across the formation to block the end man on the line of scrimmage on the back. You've got counter plays where, the play looks like it's going one way and, and it ends up going another way. You've got play action built off of those counter plays. You've got um, split backfields where you're in shotgun. You've got two backs in the backfield or one of them is a back. One of them is a receiver. Um, so they're doing a lot in the run game that is based. I mean, they run zone more than any other team. So it's still based on, uh, you know, the wide zone stuff that everyone kind of knows them for, but they've improved the blocking up front and they've improved kind of the, uh, innovation or uh, sometimes even improvisation that comes with a running game that initially looks pretty stale. So, I mean, one of the big reasons that you got um, a big game out of Alexander Madison is because of that, and then also Madison himself is fairly talented. I think, mm-hmm. you know, this game is going to end up being one where you've got, you know, two of the most talented backup running backs in the NFL. If you can even call Kareem Hunt a backup uh, two of the most uh, talented second backs, I guess, uh, in the NFL going up against each other. Right. Um, you know, we know Rick Spillman here because he's from Stark County, the birthplace of football. Um, the name is is famous here in lots of places. Is he on the hot seat? A little bit. I think uh, obviously it kind of depends on how the season goes. Yeah. Um, if they had lost against the Seahawks, I think this would probably be the losing your out game for both of them. Uh, I don't wow. know if, you know, they would either of them would be fired midseason or anything like that. Uh, and very often we see general managers – in their last legs kind of getting fired right after the draft so they can take advantage of all the prep work that you did for it. So um, I don't know when that firing would be. I would still say it is something that's in the cards. Um, but, you know, if you win, I mean, that solves a lot of problems. So sure. uh, that I think is, is a, 
pretty fair to speculate on, especially, you know, he's been with the organization since 2005. It wouldn't uh, be surprising to, to think that they need a change. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, what do you want to know about the Browns or, or what, you know, puzzles you about the Browns or what do the Vikings fear about the Browns? Yeah, sure. I, I think that for me, uh, the offense for the Browns is, is so familiar and also it's what people have focused on, right? So like Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line, uh, in the NFL, that stuff all makes sense to me. To me right now, I actually don't know very much about the Browns defense, what they do, on the back end, um, whether or not Greedy Williams plays, whether or not him playing is a good thing, <laughs> um, and and what yeah. uh, and what their capacity is to stop, you know, receivers like you know Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, so um, th- there's two guys, two young guys from LSU, Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit, who who are factor heavily in in this game and really in this team's plans all of a sudden. And Greedy was drafted um, in 2019, and started and played and didn't play well. And he missed a couple of games for, you know, minor injuries. Um, They threw at him because that's what you do to a rookie corner, right? He showed some ability, but he did not play well. And he came to the training camp the next year. And on the same day, I believe it could have been the same week, but I think it was the same day. He suffered a shoulder injury, which led to nerve damage, which meant he missed the whole year. And Grant Delpit, the second round pick that year from LSU safety, uh, ruptured his Achilles that day. And what we heard from Joe Woods all year long is we were going to play big dime defense, three safeties, and create matchup problems and disguise our coverages and be really fast. And without Delpit, we couldn't do that. And so fast forward, and they were both cleared, you know, not 100%, but close to 100% for the beginning of camp. Well, Greedy, you know, went through camp except for a minor injury and just got beat out by the rookie who's now hurt. Um, Delpit did not get on the field at all. He while he was rehabbing his Achilles had a hamstring injury and didn't see any. Well, anyway, a couple of weeks ago he played and he played well, he's big and fast as advertised. And he says he's all caught up. So um, as the Browns have had to shuffle through linebackers, as the Browns have gone through various issues, they think that this three safety look and the emergence of Delpit is really unlocked to the other guys and unlocked a lot of things defensively as for greedy coming back in, you know, I, I don't think Arif the book is written on him at all. And I think he will struggle um, with the likes of Jefferson and Thielen, even though the Browns are mostly going to play zone because a lot of people do. Right. So I would say it's an advantageous matchup and I would expect the Vikings to test him early and often. He is not a terrible player and he should not be written off, but to this point in his career, 
Uh, I think the coaches have gone out of their way to praise him this year. And part of me believes that's, that's genuine. I mean, we're still talking about a 23 year old player who's played like not even 20 NFL games. Right. But if, if you're thinking on third and six on Sunday, where they're going, they're going to greedy side, no doubt about it. <laughs> Uh, and then I think, uh, you know, obviously the, the highlight of the defense is Miles Garrett. We've also seen JOK play really well uh, as a linebacker, um, which when you brought up the three safety look, I was like, is that still the plan? Because you can play, uh, you know, Owusu Koromoa in a lot of the same roles that you play a safety as. So it sounds like they kind of want to do the same mobile defense stuff that we're seeing from Arizona. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think eventually somebody's going to have the patience and the personnel to run it right at them and test that. But right now in that nickel, big dime, whatever, um, you know, five DBs of some sort, Owusu Koromo is playing and Delpit is playing for, for the most part. Now, now last week is an exception to many rules because the bears only had the ball for 45 snaps and Justin Fields was on his ass on like 25 of them. Right. And some of that was miles Garrett just dominating. Some of that was Justin Fields holding the ball too long or not being put in advantageous situations. And then of course, when a game gets out of control like that, what do you really learn from the last three series? Right. Like they're they're done, they're tired and, and the Browns are just teeing off. So you know, I still have major questions about the Browns defense, but I do see better personnel uh, than I saw last year. And like I said, I think Greedy Williams will play well. I just I know he's going to be busy. And, you know, from what you said about Cousins getting rid of the ball early, I mean, that should be the plan against the Browns. You know, when you're when you're not having to get away from what you already do that fits. And I think if Dalvin plays, especially, you know, I think the Vikings are going to move and score. I, I, I will be stunned if this game is decided before the last four minutes. And I won't be shocked at all. If this game is still in doubt with 35 seconds to go on a Sunday. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting, Miles Garrett obviously forced himself into the Defensive Player of the Year conversation <laughs> that he was already a part of. Uh, after the the nine and a half sack game that or was it nine and a half I guess or nine sack game that the Browns had yeah. five and a half four and a half from from Garrett um, but what, what's interesting to me is that the Browns have gone up against three of the quarterbacks that hold on to the ball the longest in the NFL right because it's like with Patrick Mahomes I think um, was it they played against Davis Mills or was it Tyrod they played against both of them half yeah half the game against each. yeah yes and and Davis gets rid of the ball a little bit faster than Tyrod, but it's kind of a meaningless difference between the two of them. And then of course, Justin Fields. Uh, and that is just plays such a huge role in converting pressure into sacks or even creating pressure uh, in the first place. Whereas right now cousins is like the third fastest to throw behind Brady and Burrow. Uh, and so, I mean, that's, it's a really great front, um, but they just did this to you know, Chandler Jones was coming off of a five sack game right before the Vikings played him. Uh, and and they were able to keep that defensive line quiet. Do you still think that that defensive line has that opportunity to create as big of an impact as it's had so far? Yeah, I mean, talent-wise, they do. You know, I, I was really worried about defensive tackle because Malik Jackson's 31 years old. He's been a good player for a long time, but right, he wouldn't have been available for the Browns on a cheap one-year deal if he was still 
a top player, right? Um, they found Malik McDowell out of nowhere, who's given them push. And I still think they're kind of finding their way with how they want to use these guys. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett basically came out and said he thought he's been stuck inside too many times as, as they've lined things up, but he can wreck games single-handedly. And Clowney has been not consistently great, but even in the first two games, like you saw why Clowney is so tantalizing, right? He, he didn't have six tackles and four pressures, but when he got back there, you said, oh my gosh, like this guy can, can wreck what's going on. So yeah, I, I think the Browns need their defensive line to be disruptive and majorly disruptive as in forcing turnovers, you know, making plays that lead to turnovers, um, not allowing cousins to play ahead of the sticks and just get rid of it quickly. So that that is a big key. On, on the other side, I mean, Sheldon Richardson's one of my favorite players. He's an all-time character. He's <laughs> supremely talented, even in his 30s. And I think he'll, you know, he'll have those guys ready. I mean, what are the Vikings paying him for? He was supposed to make 11 with the Browns. Uh, it's yeah, going to be personal, yeah. right? No, <laughs> so. for sure, for sure. I, well, I, one of the reasons that they're paying him for is because uh, Sheldon trusts them to be able to get him another contract that gets him 11. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's uh, he loves uh, what the Vikings have done for him. So uh, sure. I, yeah, he'll be super fired up about this matchup for sure. Yeah, and, no, and you're right. Think, he's a character. Yeah. And, and listen, we, we could get into more of the Stefanski stuff. Um, we, we don't need to go too far. Let's get out of here on this. Like, you know, obviously both sides know each other. Well, right. Obviously Stefanski might have some built in advantages in knowing some things, but, it is a big game, but the players still have to execute. Right. And um, it's, you know, like I said, I think it's pretty evenly matched. I think the Browns are overall a little more talented. I think the Vikings are playing well. And I think the way cousins has played, he can exploit the Browns defense. So I don't have a strong prediction on this game. Like for my column on Friday, I always give it, I'm going to wrestle with it. You know, I, I don't know. Um, do you think the whole coaching familiarity thing, um, plays a major factor in, in how this actually plays out. Uh, I would say that it plays uh, somewhat of a factor. I don't know how many, like you right, you're right that the players have to execute. Um, but anytime I've kind of been able to peek behind the curtain and see what happens when players give scouting reports on players that they've played with, uh, it always seems to me to be tremendously useful. So I don't ever want to downplay kind of what having that knowledge does. Uh, given how different the Vikings offense seems to be this year, I think that there's going to be just kind of a little bit that that's going to be different enough that that it's not going to play a huge role. But I just think that Stefanski, knowing kind of what Cousins likes, what he doesn't like, kind of what moves him to read from one to another, um, because he wasn't just an offense coordinator, he was a quarterback's coach uh, for Cousins. So knowing kind of how Cousins makes his reads you know, I think can help it, you know, inform defensive blitz, uh, blitz design, right? Because if they, if they say, Hey, when you bring this guy down into the box, or if you threaten a blitz with him, cousins is going to want to throw hot here. Why don't we just drop a guy into that zone underneath where he's going to throw hot. We'll probably get a pick that way. And, you know, it just takes one or two turnovers um, to make a game, you know, flip in the other direction. So I think just kind of those small details will add up. That's going to play a pretty big role. Um, but, you know, at the same, at the same time, you know, if uh, if Sheldon Richardson does a good job of explaining, hey, here's what they like to do with their fronts. Um, obviously, they play off of Miles Garrett a lot. Um, so they're going to do this that, and the other thing that's going to help the offensive line, you know, pick up maybe stunts and twists that they wouldn't have been able to pick up on before. So I'm not going to say it evens out or anything like that, but all of the small advantages that you get from that, the Vikings will be able to claw back in a couple of different ways. So uh, 
I, I think that there's going to be some evidence of that in this game, whether or not, you know, we're football and smart enough to pick up on what that means. Um, but, you know, whether or not that's going to be the defining act of the game, I, I wouldn't say so. I think it obviously still depends on, you know, players executing, you know, Justin Jefferson still has to run the route at the right depth. He still has to be able to hold on the ball when he catches it and so on. Yeah, he could go crazy, uh, I think. But it still comes down to blocking and tackling in this game. It really does. Guys, thanks for listening. Um, subscribe, share, download the podcast, subscribe to The Athletic. We know you're on board. We know you're excited about this Brown season, and you should be. This is a real interesting two-game road trip, uh, two pretty stiff challenges. They get a little bit stiffer anyway with Greg Newsom out for at least this one, and, and we'll see. So uh, noon local in Minnesota on Sunday, 1 o'clock. On your TVs, Browns and Vikings, we know you'll be watching. For Arif Hassan, I'm Zach Jackson. Thank you for listening to Civilized Bark.